We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another episode of Bangerangs and Daggers. I'll be your host tonight, filling in for Patrick, who may be joining us later. And to the west of me will be Nate McHugh. How are you doing tonight, Nate? Good. Um, I think third place games should be outlawed. I uh, like now, that. Oh, come on. We're both millennials here. Where's your sense of participation trophy, Nate? <laughs> I think it, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, who would we play tomorrow at 4 o'clock? Um, University of Southern Florida. Oh, South Florida. Good. Can't wait. Uh, another game. The third game in a row that we don't get to watch unless we want to pay $30 a month. Is it $30 or, tw- or $12.99 a month? It is $12.50 a month if you pay for one entire year up front being advertised as $12.50 a month with cancellation at any time. However, the cancellation comes after one calendar year of $150. <laughs> it sounds like you've done that. Like the, Your voice is like you know, you've had that. I don't know if you've practiced the, uh, I guess the ad voice, you know, for an extra $150, you know, uh, cause, you know, no, anyways, no, I hate third place games. I've had a fair share of experience coaching high school basketball, uh, where we make it to the state tournament and literally, okay, you win your first round game and then the next day you're either in the state you know, if you win, you're either in the state, you're going to be in the state championship. However, if you lose, you're in the third place game and nobody wants to be there. So it's almost like you go into that game wanting to win almost so you don't have to play in the third place game, uh, instead of actually wanting to win a state championship. And, you know, it's, we went to, uh, two years ago, three years ago, we probably should have been in a state championship game. However, we didn't. We lost to Ponca, and we ended up uh, meeting uh, Hastings St. Cecilia the next morning. Our, our game on sorry, the game we lost to Ponca was a I think it was a, nine, a seven o'clock game, eight o'clock game. It was really late, and then we played Hastings St. Cecilia the next morning at nine a.m. And no one wanted to be there. They didn't want to be there. We didn't want to be there. The fans don't want to be there. The officials don't want to be there, but, you know, they got to make their money. So I do have a, a little bit of a uh, hate in my heart a little bit for third-place games, uh, at least for when it comes to Nebraska basketball. At least they are, you know, we became an islands, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I certainly get that. It's It's not ideal. I I suppose the opportunity is there in the sense of you get the extra game, which arguably with the sense that these don't really count towards your overall season total. um, Yeah. I mean, this proliferation of Thanksgiving tournaments does give you the opportunity to just play more basketball, which certainly the squad can benefit from another opportunity to hit the hardwood in a non scrimmage game. 
But, I mean, can we at least do it Gus Macker style where you're playing for a toilet bowl trophy or something to make it at least a little bit more enticing? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure off the top of my head where USF is in RPI or Ken Palm, but I can't imagine that they're anything higher than probably 200 at best. You know, speaking of the teams that are in this tournament, so what do you think is the motivation for a team like Nebraska? And you know, I can, I've thought about this a little bit, but for not, you know, I found an article earlier this year about, I think it was last year's Cayman Islands tournament or the year before. And it was just a crap show. And there was, you know, scores, the scores table was off. The, uh, they, they had issues with the broadcast and the officiating. And it sounds like that hasn't changed very much. And so I'm like, what, why are we here? And, you know, and I understand maybe it's, we need to get as many wins as we can because we're going to struggle, which by the way, we have struggled, you know, Nebraska has struggled. And so we're, I don't know why we have to fly all the way to the Cayman Islands to, you know, to do a tournament like this where we could, I don't know, is there a, like you just said, the Thanksgiving tournaments is, you know, a pro- proliferation of them. So it's like, is there another one where maybe, you know, we're not playing in a high school gym or we don't have, um, I, I guess I didn't get to hear the broadcast, but, they just, I mean, the people who are able to hear the broadcast were just killing the play-by-play people, like mispronouncing names. And that's like a cardinal sin, you know, when it comes to broadcasting. And then top it off, you know, last night, Cam Mack gets, yeah, here's two things that happened at once. Cam Mack is at the free throw line. I think it's towards, the, you know, right at the last minute of the second half. His teammates are behind him. And they usually be in front, you know, shooting a free throw. And he shoots his free throw. I, th- I think he makes it. And he steps up and gives like two ghost high fives as if his teammates were there. And Camac gets teed up for this. And I, I, I'm like, what? When I heard that, because you see that all the time. And all that, that all that kid is doing is, by the way, we always give high fives, you know, or low five, you know, whatever. After shooting a free throw, whether I make or miss, and it's kind of an odd situation now because I don't have my teammates here, so I'm just gonna jokingly go, "Oh, hey, hey, high five, high five, you know. And that's all it was. And the official tees him up for taunting, and I, I, I'm like, what? And then that is Cam Max's fifth foul. He's supposed to be fouled out of the game, and he keeps playing. Yeah, I mean, Kendra Velka was making a light of that pretty heavily in his broadcast. I uh, I definitely laughed at that that he didn't have to go to the bench afterwards. Yeah, and I wonder if what the what the what Hoiberg's like. Well, they're not taking him out, so let's just leave him in. You know, let's see. You know, he's probably thinking, you know, let's just see what happens here because the officials are going on like it's you know nor normal and so i think that's just it's, that's just the best example of what a joke this tournament is no you know it's uh but rascal won yesterday they lost today and we'll find out what they do tomorrow yeah so it it is in its uh third year it clearly hasn't improved much since its inception 
Um, so I, I know the article you're talking about, it pointed out that they use literally easy pop-up tents with folding chairs inside for the locker rooms outside the gymnasium. And it, the camera looks like, uh, cause they got clippings of what it, um, looked like based on the, the service that you can actually pay an arm and a leg for. And I obviously didn't do that this season, but in its inaugural season, it looked like they pulled somebody off the beach, gave them 20 bucks, stuck them behind, uh, more or less a home video camera and just moved it back and forth. Like it's a small high school, um, you know, recording up at the top of the bleachers. Um, although I think at one point they didn't actually bother moving the camera. So the ball was on the other end of the court. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not great on the flip side. It could be something like what Rutgers is doing right now, which is they call it the garden state showcase and just do round Robin with three other teams where they all play each other. And there's no tournament aspect to it whatsoever. No bracket or anything. Um, yeah, you could do that. There's the Vegas Invitational. There's the PK 80 in Portland. There's the Maui Invitational. Uh, next year we'll be at the Myrtle Beach Invitational, as we found out late last week. Uh, there's Orlando. There's you name it. There's a tournament somewhere, uh, for all of these things. And, you know, hey, I would love a trip to the Cayman Islands to cover this, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm not there. I'm in DC right now. So, um, offers an interesting opportunity. Yeah, I, I walked that back on South Florida too. I looked it up there, 130th in Ken Palm. And while they're 244th in offense, they are 77th in adjusted defense. So this might actually be a good opportunity to go up against a fairly highly rated defense, at least in this point. I know Ken Palm can be a little iffy this early in the season, but might be a good learning opportunity if uh, we have any gas left after two games in two days, uh, going into the third game in three days to still try and push it and see what our offense can do. Yeah, I would be, uh, you know, that's the thing about having a podcast after, um, you know, right after a game, you know, a game you didn't get to watch. You know, you kind of have to watch these. Either you're listening to it on the play-by-play, or you're uh, watching on Twitter. You know, uh, so you know it's really tough. It just it seems like from what I could hear that um, I guess it, oh, if there's a bright spot about this team is that we're not relying on one guy to get it done. You know, and and. I think it was uh, a couple of games ago. Cam Mack, you know, won the game for us at the end. Had a little driving kick to Dre Green, kind of in the corner, hit a three, and it kind of put the game out of the way, you know. And then it was yesterday. Kenneth Cheatham had his best game as a Nebraska Cornhusker, and today it sounded like it was the Deshaun Burke game. You know, uh, he kind of kept us in the game as uh, George Mason was, you know, trying to blow the game out and Nebraska couldn't do anything to get back in. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to watch film. I like to break it down a little bit, but, uh, that was, you know, it's kind of, that's probably another reason why I'm not a big fan of the Cayman Islands, uh, classic or whatever, whatever it's called. You know, they were just, you know, we're, I, I'm, we're just getting spoiled, 
being able to watch all these sporting events on TV and now I expect it. I'm like, oh, we're playing Washington State, even though they're one of the worst from a power six teams in the country. But I'm like, oh, there's still a power six team. It's got to be on TV. Oh, no, no, no. It's flow sports. So, uh, I know. I mean, did you have any, any thoughts about the game either today or the day before? Yeah, I mean, um, do you want to go back to Southern since we haven't had a chance to break oh, that down yet? The the one yeah, game that we actually did get to watch. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, talk go about ahead. figuring out how to get a win out of just an ugly performance. I mean, God, getting out rebounded fifty four to twenty eight, like shooting fifty one percent from the free throw line, and we still managed to get the win. Um, Got to clean that up. Wow. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, it's really, yeah, I, I agree with you. The rebounding issue is going to be prevalent throughout the, I mean, it's just, the, I think they're going to get better as far as figuring out how to rebound with this team. Uh, but when they hit Big Ten, the Big Ten conference schedule, I mean, we might all sense a, a, a number as far as the rebounding margin even worse. It's going to be a bigger number, even though they're getting better. Because if you can't rebound against Southern, you know, I don't know how you're going to rebound against Michigan State or Purdue. And those are usually the two teams I'm thinking of. Uh, I mean, I, but, it's going to get ugly against Rutgers even, but strictly in the sense that, Whereas a Hoiberg offense is high octane and we've got some good shooters. They're going to have so few opportunities because Rutgers is so terrible. They make their game on actually rebounding and getting second and third chance points. And at this rate, I think we're going to see fourth and fifth chance opportunities against Rutgers to the point where it's just going to be a low scoring game because we never have the ball possession wise to try and uh, counter anything. I mean, we're, we're going to be going tit for tat if we see a rebounding game like we did against Southern and that's against Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe yeah. I'm being a little bit uh, dire here, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was some other good things to see. I mean, we lit up the three point range with 57% shooting in that one. Uh, you know, Gervais green, 22 points, uh, for that one led the team. So uh, there was promise out of it, but there's also cause for concern in it. Yeah. You, do you know how you lose a game if you shoot almost 60% from the three-point line? You know how you lose that game is by getting out-rebounded and missing, I think it was, a 19 free throws. That's how you – that's almost like free throws in basketball, missing those. I mean – uh, missing 19 free throws in the basketball game is probably like the equivalent of you know two turnovers in a football game, and I mean because it's just like a killer. I mean, if, if you just if you get fouled, that should be two points. You know, if you get fouled on a shot or you're in bonus, but if you're getting fouled and you miss a, the front end of a one-on-one or you miss in two free throws, I mean that's a turnover. And yeah. that, that, that's what I, you know, that's what I saw against Southern. And thank goodness we shot so well. Um, but yeah, if you can't rebound and, and you kind of go, we went, we came into the season, 
knowing rebounding was going to be an issue. I did, had no clue though that free throw shooting was going to be this bad. And that's, and that's what's going to lose games, you know, going down the road. Yeah. I've just never understood how somebody who can shoot you know, seven of 12 from field goal range or better, four of six from three point range can only go, you know, as a team, 51% from the free throw line. How, how do you make a three point shot and you don't commit enough time day in and day out to free throws? It's routine. Rhythm, practice, you know, what, 15 minutes a day even over the summer? When you go in the gym, even five days a week, and you're going to shoot maybe 70-plus percent from free throw range, which should be the benchmark minimum for a, a player who wants to play at a P6 program. No matter what the name is on the jersey, that's the bare minimum you should be shooting to make or you know, aiming as your minimum goal for any game whatsoever as your bare floor. I, I, I just don't get not making free throws, but I, I say this in my columns that I write, everybody's going to know that there's two things, well, three things that I value. It's quality defense on man to man. I'm not a big fan of zone, making sure that you shoot free throws and making sure that you put a body on somebody and go after the ball for a rebound. And those two things of free throws and rebounding is, cause for concern to this point in the season so far, particularly against Southern, and it let a terrible team stay competitive with them and give them a scare at home. Yeah, and and like you know, making free throws. If you if you are not confident at the free throw line, then what are you gonna do? You're not. One thing is you're not gonna drive to the hole. And Hoiberg wants the shot chart to be all the dots around the three point line. And then the rest of the dots are going to be at the hoop. And if you do, if you're not confident, then you're not going to go into the hole because you, you're probably thinking, I have a, well, you know, you see in Southern, you have a better, it's, it's a better, almost a, it is a better chance of going in from the, the three point line than the free throw line. And yeah, I, I've always, um, I, I've always wondered about that as well. About the, the, you know, the kids that can shoot so well from outside, but not from the free throw line. I think it, most of the time, it has to do with, it's more fun to make three pointers. So that's what you want to practice. And it's super boring to make free throws. And that's what you're not going to practice as much. So I think that's probably one of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this will let my, um, other Big Ten school fandom, uh, leak in here a little bit, but, Hoiberg should take a leaf out of a certain Hall of Fame coach uh, book from his early days at Michigan State and follow Izzo because I remember seeing the other day on a tweet, it's something like 240-something out of about 256, or maybe it was that he made 256 free throws in a row for Hoiberg, but he should force the team to... uh do suicides or something until he misses a shot as a point of raising the uh, sort of the issue with them that they need to go in on their own sometimes outside of NCAA practice and uh, just sit there at the charity stripe and shoot free throws. And well, you know what? I, I, you know, I actually have a, a, um, a thought about that, but I think first we're going to pause for a break. 
Well, welcome back to the uh, Nebraska back basketball podcast for SB Nation or Core Nation called Of Bangerangs and Daggers. This is uh, Nate McHugh and Kevin Knight here. Uh, we were just talking about free throw shooting about Hoiberg, uh, if I if I remember correctly, because uh, that was so long ago. All right, so you were, you were saying, Kevin, that um, Hoiberg – did you say that Hoiberg was shooting the free throws or – are you yeah, it was uh, it, it's something that Izzo used to do early in his days as head coach at Michigan State. Um, he would tell the pre- uh, team that they could leave when he missed a free throw, and they'd have to run suicides until then, or you know, run laps around the floor or something like that. And so to make the point to them that they need to go in and practice on their own with free throws, uh, so that way they can you know give some time to it outside of regular practice because it's something that they should be doing on their own. He should just force them to run suicide until he misses. And let me tell you, I do not want to try and run a suicide on the floor while my coach makes 256 free throws in a row. I don't know about you. Yeah. So did Izzo make that or did Hoiberg make that number? Uh, th- that was Hoiberg. Sorry. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was Hoiberg you know. that did that. Izzo yeah, did the, you know, you can leave when I miss a free throw, but he had insane, uh, you know, shots, free throws made in a row type of thing as well. So that that's where yeah. I get that reference from. Sorry to anybody who's not familiar with that reference. No, no, I, I, um, Hoiberg earlier, earlier in the year, uh, sorry, earlier in the season referenced a, uh, an eye doctor or a, a, a podiatrist, uh, foot doctor, a foot doctor. Yes. Um, I actually read about this guy. I was eight years ago and uh, Bill Simmons's book, uh, the book of basketball, the big book of basketball or something like that. And this guy looked at free throw shooting just from a uh, physiological standpoint, like what is the most efficient, accurate way to shoot a free throw. And I'm going to get these percentages wrong, but I think Shaq, it was a 54, 53% career free throw shooter and of course and shooting free throws during practice is different than a game but supposedly he um shack met this podiatrist and he was at the practice or whatever and shack was shooting i don't know if he shot 10 or whatever but he was shooting 60 you percent know, or more than that from the free throw line and this podiatrist worked for him for you know, probably an hour or something like that and then Shaq, you know, maybe he shot a hundred and he was making, I think it was like 85%, you know? So in the game, that'd be probably closer to 70 or whatever. And, but Shaq wouldn't do it. He, he said it just looked so weird or it was, you know, he just thought it would look silly if, if his form changed that much. And so, uh, but, so he decided not to do it and he left a whole bunch of points on the floor because of that. Uh, so that's the podiatrist story that, you know, you were talking about the free throws. So that's quite the tangent. So, uh, what do you want to talk about next? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, uh, let's use that to jump into the Washington state game where we had improvement. We had 51.4% free throw shooting against Southern university. Do you want to guess how much that went up against Washington state? You know what you're, I could guess, but my computer's not moving fast enough. 0.6%. 0.6%. It was oh, 52%. We went 13 of 25 from the free throw line against the Cougars. 
<laughs> so why did we win the game last night? I mean, from what you could tell, it seems like they got a pretty good, um, uh, pr- uh, pretty good scorer. But what? Why did we win? Um, on that case, it would be pretty simple. That in the end, as bad as we were from the free throw line, um, we actually stayed competitive in rebounding against the not amazing rebounding team in Washington State. It was 44 to 41. We only lost the rebounding battle by three. And uh, the Cougars are just a terrible team offensively. They're known uh, for their defense, or at least their head coaches uh, for their defense anyways. And offensively, they shot 22.2% from three-point range and 37% from field goal range, as opposed to our Huskers, who had one of their most uh, lightning hot games from three point range going 50% from the three point line, nine of the 18, or I'm sorry, behind the three point line and 52.6% from the field. So, I mean, it's some pretty good shooting right there. Um, offensively, you saw, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Hanif Cheatham had a spectacular game with 19 points when eight of 10 from field goal range and two of three from the three point range. Uh, Gervais Green went three of five from three-point range and five of nine from the field for 16 points. I mean, it was a pretty darn good night shooting-wise. Um, I don't know if uh, their day at the beach the day before energized them a little bit or what happened there, but, I mean, can we just bottle that and uh, keep that handy for when we get into the conference schedule here? Yeah, I would – you know, whatever it takes for us to become a good rebounding team, that's what we need to do. If it's hanging out at the beach and drinking margaritas or whatever, if that makes us rebound the better, then we should do that because that we only lost by three as I'm uh, in the rebounding battle, and that you know that might be close to the the best we'll probably do from here on out as far as uh, rebounds go, and people. Uh, every good team or a great team is a good rebounding team. And I know that Michigan State is perennially, and maybe you, I mean, you, you can speak to this better than I can, but Tom Izzo has a reputation for being a great rebounding coach. Um, at least from what I've heard and from what I've, you know, seen. You know, so they're very physical. It helps that, you know, they get, he's got good players. But he teaches a technique on rebounding that's different than a lot of other coaches. Uh, and, and so we're trying to do that also with our kids, you know. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, yeah the, the Huskers should run the war drill, actually. Um, I'm guessing we, that might yeah, be we, what we, you're thinking we, we, of. Yeah. We ran the war drill yesterday. Good, yeah. So uh, for any of our listeners not knowing – uh, what this is, you all should love this as Huskers and, uh, and definitely need to export this out to the Great Plains. The war drill is when all the basketball players are given football pads and helmets. The ball's tossed up and they're told to go get the damn rebound. That's the war drill. You go up against each other in football pads to try and get the rebound. Yeah, well, we can't do that. But we got the drill from Izzo. Um, yeah, and – because I've I've heard that Kansas has done that before too, where they're like, "Hey, uh, uh, who's who's the current Kansas coach?" Uh, Bill Self. Yeah, Bill Self. He's like, 
we are the softest team in the country right now. And the next day, all right, and they had him put all pads on, and they just did rebounding after rebounding after rebounding the whole practice. Uh, the war drill, at least how, what we run, because they're not going to let us put basketball pads on ba- – or sorry, football pads on basketball, high school basketball players is – uh, it's a kind of a normal rebounding drill. However, if the offensive, if the offensive team gets a rebound, it's two points. If the defensive team gets a rebound, it's one point. So then you have the motivation of, uh, for the offense to actually go get some, you know, and then, you know, you, you score it up and then the team loses, one team loses or wins. There's a little more to it than that, but, uh, we actually got that from Izzo. So, but, you know, he probably when he's going to coaches clinics, you know, and this is usually where we get the the video. He's probably not putting those kids in football uh, football pads. However, at his actual practice, uh, I wouldn't put it past him because I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and I mean, the the Big Ten as a whole is is similar to uh, football in the in the way that it's a big man's conference. It's it's traditionally more physical than some of the other conferences, particularly down low. It's a conference that values rebounding as a whole. I mean, you can nitpick with some of the teams that aren't necessarily good at rebounding. But, uh, you know, for example, I, I I don't know off the top of my head what Minnesota is doing this season. But, I mean, they were they had a monster of a rebounder with Amir Coffey last season. Uh, Wisconsin. Always a good rebounding team. Illinois, you can bet, gets after it. Rutgers is one of the top in the country at rebounding, if for no other reason than they are so poor with their shooting. Michigan State, perpetually known as one of the top in the country for going after it. Yeah, it, it's a tough conference. And if you want to win games consistently on the road, or even at home, for that matter, it getting through that 20-game slog, you need to learn how to rebound. And it's not just height and size. That's important. It's going to matter. But at the end, it's also just wanting it and getting after it and making the effort to get a body on a man when a shot goes up and go after it. And, you know, I I think we all get uh, that the Hoiberg offense relies on transition points and you can't sell out as much as other teams on getting rebounds necessarily. But that's no excuse for having two or three guys down low after a shot goes up, busting their butt for the rebound. Because that's something that they need to figure out. Yeah. Uh, it's gang rebounding. It's, you know, uh, I saw against um, uh, South Dakota State, you know, we had a couple guys, their outlets were a little far down the floor. And I thought, Shouldn't he be rebounding? You know, and, you know, Hoiberg knows what he wants to do. But I think they need all five guys to get into it and to go to, to do gang rebounding to go grab it because you might need two guys to box, to, um, to box out one, you know, especially, you know, if, and it's kind of hard. I mean, it's really hard to do, but, uh, but guys can't just decide they don't feel like, you know, here's the problem. You got a bunch of guys around who just want to shoot three pointers, you know, and we're shooting probably over 50% on the season, you know, and then you're asking those three point shooters, by the way, to go and then box out, you know, uh, who's the biggest guy in Michigan state. What's the, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, well, our, our big, um, 
our key big man is Xavier Tillman. Uh, we've got is that what I'm probably um, we've got a sophomore this season. Um, oh God, why am I blanking on his name? Who's close to seven foot? He's he's got to be six ten at least, if not six uh, eleven. Okay. Um, but I'm, okay. I'm Bingham. That's it. Bingham's uh-huh. our, our tall guy, but Tillman's uh-huh. the the monster rebounder this season. How about the year before? Um, uh, D- Kenny Goins. That's who you're thinking Goins, of. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, like you're asking. Okay, think about who's starting. Who's starting on the floor? You have Tanif Cheatham. You got Cam Mack. You have um, oh jeez, uh, no like crap. Nate, uh, don't stay. Uh, uh, you know, I, I learned that in law school. No, I couldn't say and in law school. Um, and thank you for jumping on. Who is this? <laughs> okay, I want to say I'll get to my point, and then we'll introduce whoever this guy is. Uh, can't you have Cam Mack, uh, Deshaun Burke, Heath Cheatham, Javay Green, and then Yvonne or Jorgo or whatever. So you have a bunch of you have four three point shooters, and you're asking them to now come down and and box out, you know, bigger guys, and so that's really tough. And so that's my point. And who are you? Welcome back to another edition of Coordinations <laughs> of Bangerangs and Daggers. I am your host, Patrick Gearhart, later than normal. And with me, as always, is Nate McHugh, Kevin Knight. And I think we've got the Grand Poobah Coronation podcasting, don't we, boys? Yes, we, we do. do. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. He's just listening in the background. You know, he's just eating cookies and uh, drinking milk. Being wonderful like normal. Celebrating Christmas a little bit early with those cookies and milk. But, you know, it's Thanksgiving week, so we'll look past that. Three days. If you could just wait three days. I believe it to be sacrilege to do anything festive Christmas-wise before Thanksgiving. But that's just me. So anyway, where were we? Uh, we were just covering rebounding and free throws through the Washington State and Southern U games, but I think, um, this might be as good as opportunity as any to go and highlight the other key problem that we had in the Cayman Islands, and that would be turnovers. It's 15 in each game. On the islands. Technically, the Southern U was actually an on-campus game out of, uh, the Cayman Islands Classic. But uh, the games that actually took place off American soil in the Cayman Islands, we had 15 turnovers against Washington State and 15 against George Mason, which we'll get to. Uh, it's just inconvenient that that statistic stayed the exact same between both games. So I'll go ahead and get that out of the way now of mentioning our misfortune. Well, the, 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 and the difference being is that Washington State being the lesser of the two teams – uh, Nebraska could come back and take advantage of the lack of talent and everything else Washington had. Because, I mean, you look at them on paper, and I'm sure you guys mentioned before, uh, Washington really wasn't much of a team coming into the game. Uh, probably maybe a little bit better than Nebraska on a couple couple realms, but I would say talent-wise, Nebraska had the edge on them. Uh, George Mason, on the other hand, is a decent enough coach and has enough good talent uh, to take full advantage of that, and they did tonight against our most beloved Huskers. Yeah, they're certainly not the George Mason of 2006, to be fair, but they're a respectable team out of the Atlantic 10. 
and they're certainly not one to take lightly, as unfortunately no, no. we're aware tonight. And the Atlantic Atlantic Ten's a good conference. They're they're not shabby at all. Yeah, I, um, yeah, they did uh, manage to beat George Washington three times last season, which I'm just going to mention offhand because it's my spouse's alma mater for his master's degree, uh, which I think oh, he was perfectly happy he, to have them lose. <laughs> he, he's at George Washington? No, no, uh, he got his master's from there. He uh, works at American he University that, now. But Oh, did so, so he got his master's at George Washington. Now, being in D.C., that basically means he did not get into Georgetown. Is that right? Uh, no. So he. <laughs> okay, I, I'll take that shade and point out um, his program was much better at George Washington. Uh, Georgetown is good for certain things. Uh, George Washington was better for what he got his master's in. I'm I'm a proud spouse on that front, so I'll fight you on that one, Patrick. Sorry, I. No, that that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I just, yeah. Anybody considering a DC school go to American University. That's where he works now. That's the best undergrad in the area. So, is that right? Better than Georgetown? Uh, in in my yeah. biased opinion. So, okay. if you want, uh, isn't Catholic uh, pretty decent? Um, Catholic's all right. Uh, okay. If I remember the rankings, um, well, George Washington has gotten dinged pretty badly. Um, because they apparently lied on a lot of their uh, reporting stuff to their accreditation oh, agency, yeah. So they they took a big nosedive. But um, yeah, American's actually a really good school. Um, Georgetown might actually be higher ranked, but in my biased opinion, you'll get a better undergraduate degree from the American University General Education Program. I always thought it was interesting that most people I knew who grew up in D.C. went to American. Yeah, it's a very and, um, and, that, and that probably tells you something. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very, uh, it, it was a very local school for a long time. They've expanded their reach more nationally now for their footprint, like most schools. But, um, but yeah, I'm not to get too bogged down in my spouse's, uh, work and, um, you know, graduate programs and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, anything else you want to add on Washington State, Patrick? No. <laughs> we, we, we covered the lightning hot shooting. We covered the rebounding margin. We covered the turnovers. Uh, do you want to harp on rebounding? I think Nate and I um, have done enough, uh, what, but I mean, the, the, we need what, we need some good rebounding. So I, 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 I would harp on rebounding, but what rebounding? Uh, well, so we did win the. <laughs> sorry, we we trailed the margin, forty four forty one. We talked about the war drill, how uh, Hoiberg should. Consider running that. Um, what else, Nate? What am I missing here? Oh, I don't know. But I'm going to take this off. You know what? We could, we, okay, we could probably move on. The listeners okay. are probably. No, I got a basketball thing. Uh, so if you guys remember, George Mason made it to the Final Four. Was it, what year was that? 2006? Yep, 2006. Okay. Over so the, uh, there's a guy who had a perfect bracket. And I, th- I don't know if it went all if he made it all the way through, but he did make it to George Mason to the Final Four. He had that, and, but he thought he was putting George Washington, um, who was also in the turn that year. Um, so he, or he got mixed up, whatever it was. But he was thinking George Washington as he was moving George Mason all the way through, and I think he I think he got it all the way through and got a perfect bracket, uh, just based off of that you know confusion, but. Um, 
Those that just reinforces. Oh, sorry. That just reinforces the fact that literally anytime you do an office bracket pool, the person who knows the least amount about college basketball is the one who always ends up winning it. That, that is the true. Best part about it. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have. It's why it's almost not worth listening to the experts because, and that's one of the best parts about the tournament is you have no clue what's going to happen at all. That's why. That's why Duke keeps losing. I, that, I do enjoy that part. Yeah. That is the best time of the year. There's Christmas, and then there's Duke losing. So, um, anyway, I got nothing else on Washington State or, you know, Patrick, tell us, why do you think we lost today? Why do I think we lost today? We couldn't <laughs> shoot. We couldn't rebound. We turned over the ball. We played 2019 Nebraska ball. In a nutshell, I listened to the game. I listened to what I could. I was running. I was chasing kids around. At one point, I had a I had a semi happy moment where I all the kid both my kids were good and happy. I had Maction on TV muted, and I was listening to Nebraska basketball. It was like a perfect November night, and that lasted for about five minutes, <laughs> and then everything went away. So no, in a nutshell, it it was you know Nebraska came out slow. They came back. I think they were down like I think um, George Mason had like a 12-0 run early on, didn't they? And yeah, then it was 12 Nebraska, to five, twelve to five. Yeah, and then Nebraska came back. I mean, you know, they started hitting their shots, and then they went dead again. And by halftime, we were down by I think what was it, eleven? It was. Sounds I think it was right. Yeah, and we just couldn't come back. And that was the difference between a decent, uh, a decent, well, you know, decently coached team with fairly decent talent and a team that you know has good talent has never played together and a coach still trying to put it all together i mean in a nutshell that's basically what it was george mason was probably the first team we played all year the best team we played all year who could play a somewhat of a complete game and keep the momentum moving forward and that's exactly what happened against nebraska ball tonight at least as far as i could tell while listening i could be wrong but you know kent pavelka makes it sound so so nice so yeah, I know at one point the largest lead that they had was 21 points. Um, thank you, stats listing. Uh, so, I mean, it, they they got some good runs in there on us. Um, something that helped that Burke was the only one who could score a bucket early on. Uh, one thing, though, we did actually win the turnover battle in this one. It was 19 by George Mason to our 15. So that's That's, that's still a lot of turnovers. Yeah, I mean, 15 <laughs> is nothing to... Yeah, 15 is nothing to be like, oh, hey, we only had 15 turnovers to their 19. But at least we had fewer turnovers. But that's like saying, well, at least we fumbled the ball less in the red zone compared to them. But we still ended up doinking off the field goal post in the end. So, you know, big deal. You still lost. So So, one one of the best things about working for coordination is that they think we're, we're uh, media, right? Or I say they, I'm talking about the athletic department, as well as some fans who email us, at least have emailed me when I've written about football and said, I can't believe you call yourself a journalist. You're horrible. <laughs> Don't lose your day job or, you know. Anyway, so they, that, they're one of the best. That is journalist Esquire to you. Ah, yes. Uh oh, I'm not gonna I prefer journalist extraordinaire for my title, FYI, everybody. 
<laughs> you know, I was I was my third year of law school, and someone said, "Yeah, we're gonna put Esquire after our name." And I thought, like the like the magazine, and like <laughs> no, it's like you can put it after. It's like you know MD, or I'm like, I'm not putting that after my name. Are you kidding me? You know. <laughs> I'm like I've never heard like I just don't care about that stuff, you know. I know I've heard before. Anyway, so if it was good enough from Bill, if it was good enough for Bill, for Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, it's good enough for you, Nate. Okay. Well, hey, Bill's. Is it, was that Keanu Reeves? Or was that the other guy? That was Keanu Reeves' character, Bill. Okay. All right. I think I think anyway, it was like so, Bill S. Preston Esquire was it, and Ted Theodore Logan. Oh, I perfect. think I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that film. I need to. Keanu is Ted, according to my source. Um, anyway, so the the athletic department sends us emails like, and so if you ever get like, if you if you ever watch, I'm sorry, on Twitter, and you see all of a sudden these uh, reporters are tweeting out these tweet or these stats, you know, like oh, you know, you know, like this example I'm going to use is. Nebraska won the uh, uh, the fast as far as fast break points eighteen to two, and still lost. Nebraska won the bench uh, scoring twenty six to fifteen and still lost. Uh, so it's like oh yeah, and you know, we won the turnover battle right? I think fifteen. I don't know whatever. But uh, so that's what you know they send us that stuff and then we can use it and that's what you get the members of the media. And they use that. So they sound really super smart, but it's actually, it's the university sending that. So, but the fact that, that we won fast break points 18 to 2 is, and still lost, just shows you how much, how much we struggle to, uh, score in the half court. And, well, you know, if you have teams, it's kind of like, you know, Scott Frost, college football reference. Uh, you know, they want to, you know, they want to move fast and fast, but when you get down to the goal line, if you can't score, then it doesn't really matter. Well, if we can't score in the half court, you know, you're only going to be able to run so much because teams can slow you down. And if you can't score in a half court, it's going to be hard to score. And that's what we saw today. Makes sense to me. In a, um, Brief update, by the way, from news around the college basketball world. Duke is on upset alert right now against Stephen F. Austin, uh, 69-71 with 4.43 left. So, you know, uh, it can happen. Go Stephen F. Austin. What's their, what's their mascot? Um, you know what? Uh, they were in the weekend review series that I did. Um, I think somebody plays them this week. Uh, in the Big Ten, and I honestly don't remember what their mascot is off the top of my head. I can look that up really quick if you guys want to talk about something else while I look that up. Yeah, you know, was I was going uh, to tweet out. Sorry, I was going to tweet out on our Twitter account. You know, um, S- is it SF Austin and yeah. Duke playing? Yep. Yeah, yep. Lumberjack. Yeah, they were t- by the way. Yeah, they were tied five to five at the beginning of the game, and I was going to type upset watch. You know? Ooh. <laughs> don't curse that. Don't yeah, curse that. I, I, I want this loss. The fact that we're talking about it on the podcast is, is curse enough. True. Well, it's tied 77, 70, or I'm sorry, 71, 71 right now with 416 left. So. Oh, jeez. Hey, so that, okay, if they go down, 
Then Kentucky's been down, went down. Uh, Louisville will move up to number one, yeah. Uh, who's the other number one team that went down? Um, uh, we we don't need to cover that one. Let's move on. Uh, oh, so, Michigan yeah. State. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I had to go there. Wisconsin lost. Uh, I'm trying to think whether teams lost to teams they shouldn't lose to. Well, I think I'm, Kentucky takes the cake for that one. I'm losing to Evansville. Yeah, and, and, yeah that was bad. Well, that, that, was, that was a bad one. They got 44 AP votes out of it, and then they promptly dropped out a week later. So <laughs> I wonder why. Poor Evansville. No love from the voters. No, I, I just think that it's – I think it's going to be harder to win college basketball games going forward. But uh, I think – Is it because the transfer portal portal has has just blown up? It's more than just it, college football? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just – I don't know if you've seen – if we've seen so many, you know, you know, like blue blood programs losing – to teams that they shouldn't, you know, you know, Nebraska goes and loses. They're not you know. bad program. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're bad. It's just that the, the opening for them to lose is is the thing now. Yeah, like 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 UNLV. What was the year UNLV made it all the way through undefeated, which oh, is rare anyway. Eighty you know, something. Yeah, nah, that was early nineties. Either oh, way, oh, they lost to Houston. I thought University of Houston could be. Um, a- anyway. I mean that was a rarity in itself, but you know for the you know for foreseeable future, is there a dog drinking? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> about, uh, sorry about that. Let me fix that. No worries. No, you're fine. I like dogs. I like dogs. It's good. It's good. Ninety ninety one. That was the running rebels season. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean that was an anomaly in the first place, but you know throughout the years since then, there's been a lot of one, two, three lost teams that have won the championship, um, but. You know, the chances of that, I think, are going down more and more as time goes on. I agree with you, Nate. You know, it's just it's harder. And I think there's a lot of variables, one being that and out of all the the sports out there, college basketball has been terrible when it comes to transfers in the first place. Um, I think they're one of the highest with the highest transfer rates out of all college sports. So you have these kids bouncing around to different schools. You don't have the longevity in there. And then throw on the fact that, you know, one and done is now a I mean, God, we've been, we're what, 10, 15 years talking about one and dones, right? And that hasn't gone away. I mean, it hasn't, it, it hasn't changed the sport to one and done teams winning it, but, you know, that still is a factor. Uh, and, you know, and as, as these, as these uh, seasons go on, I mean, especially these bigger schools and these better conferences, you know, it becomes a grind. And, you know, it's a lot easier to knock off a number one than it used to be by far. And I, I again, the, one, the reasoning I just brought up was, you know, a couple of them. There's a lot more reasons going on. So, if you guys were king, if you guys were king, what would you do with the one and done rule if you were a king? Oh, I would force the NBA to actually invest in their G League if they want players to actually make money. Um, that would be my thing. I would do away with that and require you to at least do two years for the equivalent of an associate's degree. I'd prefer three personally. Um, Merely of, I I think the problem isn't entirely the NCAA. As much as we all hate the NCAA and their inconsistencies and their bureaucracy and whatnot, the problem isn't, in my opinion, completely on them having uh, sort of unpaid slave labor, so to speak. It's, It's not amateur athleticism. It's the fact that the for-profit leagues like the NBA, the NFL, et cetera, 
don't invest fully in their G League like they could and give kids like, say, a LeBron Jr. who can play in a G League and be a good, uh, a good contribution to a team there and make money right from the get go, uh, isn't given the opportunity. He's forced to go to his college and it corrupts the college game rather than, um, it being a college game that's corrupting the kids, so to speak. I, I would who, prefer to see that change. Who is the Australian player who went to LSU that kind of just badmouthed the whole thing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what was it? God, we are terrible tonight on names. Yeah. Is this the guy in the NBA right now? Is it Ben? Yeah. Uh, oh, he he was a pure one and done. Uh, he he ran um, LSU pretty much the team himself that year. Philadelphia 76ers, uh, Ben Simmons. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, he came out and just badmouthed the system, which was. Uh, let's not get into that debate. I'm not going to say good or bad right now, but yeah. uh, but he brought up some interesting points with with with, with how he brought his uh, his uh, issues across. Let's say, but no, I mean, I I think I honestly, Kevin, I, I would agree with you. I think that would be a good route to go down. If I was technically king, though. The only thing I would do is I would allow one and dones because I believe that you know you should have that opportunity. But as king, I would have to approve everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I, I don't want to say like you shouldn't be allowed to just drop out of school <laughs> after a year or anything. But I mean, it, ideally, you would have some type of scholarship mechanism that coerces them to their benefit into more than one year, but doesn't. I mean, it's not like it's going to be some slave labor contract type of thing of you, uh, you know, can't leave early type of type of scenario by any means. And here's another thing that you kind of tend to forget is that you get rid of one and dones. Like, let's say or let, let's say you go to the point to where kids don't have to go to the, you know, one year of uh, of college. You're taking money out of the colleges. Then you got to remember Somebody's got to pay for that kid to go to school, whether it's in scholarship form, whether it's in a booster form. You know what I mean? Like, like unless you know, there's some way, shape, or form that kid is getting a full ride, you know, of some degree. But that money is going directly into the university. So the university either wants they don't want to if they want it gone, they want you know to where like it's college where I think you have to be three years out of high school, right? Uh, for football, yeah. For fo- um, I mean, yeah, sorry, three yeah, years yeah, out. Three years football, or they're perfectly probably fine with the one and done thing, um, because they. I mean, let let's say you have how many kids would skip college if they had the opportunity to like. Oh, the last one I remember was Kevin Garnett, twenty some years ago. How many kids a year do you think would skip out on the uh, on their freshman year to go straight to the NBA? Uh I would think, uh, you know, all seniors going to be eligible. Um, but like, let's say ten or let's say like, like okay, 10, ten or fifteen high school kids would probably declare for the NBA. Yeah, I would say that, that sounds about right. That, ten that, or fifteen. Yeah, that depends on the quality of the G League. Like what Kevin was talking about before, if the G League, like if they invest in the G League. The more they invest in it, as far as salaries go, the more the kids are going to go. You know, that's, well, that, that's true. But I'm talking like, you know, 
what you would probably have, let's be honest, is you would probably be having 10 or 15 kids who would, who, who are probably guaranteed a first or second round pick, right? Hypothetically. Well, it depends on what kind of advice they're getting, but I mean, I, sure. I think you definitely have 10 to 15 kids thinking that they're good they're, to go on that. Similar to, go, to yeah. the, yeah, similar to the numbers that you see leave so early you, in college. So you, so you have 10 or 15 kids that are going to be going to probably the top seven to 10 colleges for basketball in the nation, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the KUs, Arizonas and stuff like that. Or certain other schools that pay for them to come there. But, yeah, uh, that that's a whole yeah, other yeah. ball game. I just want to yeah, make that yeah, snide joke gonna, is all. Bag, we dive into it. But yeah. you know, you're talking about some schools that might have one or two kids that won't be going there to help them win championships and put more money within that institution. See, uh, you know? I, I think I think you'll still see most of the money there. I, I'm not sure that enough programs would be hurt in the end uh, for that to be something the NCAA wouldn't appreciate for kind of a love of the purity of the game that that might bring back. Because at least for me, off the top of my head, some of my favorite basketball players, if not really honestly any of my favorite basketball players I can name, are guys that stayed for four years and developed into stellar college basketball players. I yeah, I mean, guys like Miles Bridges, um, you know, uh, Roby even, you know, I wish he would have stayed for all four years type of player where they, they are and NBA talent, but it's just sort of them leaving and denying that last senior year or, you know, the last two years for Bridges type of thing of getting to enjoy them in the college game. Cause I'm, I'm a college guy. I, I Loosely follow the NBA with the Pistons more so as a bandwagon fan back in the day when they were good. But I mean, I, I just don't really enjoy NBA ball uh, for me. And uh, to also touch back really quick on the G League, when I say invest in it, I don't just mean salaries. I mean, actually taking the time to develop them like college offers generally, because the G League is a little bit too uh, businesslike in kind of taking you in. Do you develop within a year or two? And if not, then we're dumping you out and that's that. It, they need to make it an actual development league that's willing to invest the time and money into them besides just salaries of giving kids that are, say, 19 or 18 fresh out of high school, uh, you know, time to develop into being a player and give them three, four, five years like college does if they come straight out of, uh, straight out of college, so to speak. So that would be something that they would need to invest in uh, with the willingness to invest the time and not just the money in players. At least in my opinion. Well, that's what podcasting is all about, right? <laughs> no, I, I, I think as far as the, the, the NBA players, and we're not, I'm not talking about G League, because uh, I actually have no idea what they invest in as far as player development. But it appears for me that the actual players in the NBA that are regular contributors, I, I think it comes out of their own pocket. I, I do wonder, out of season, if the teams deal with them at all. And, and uh, I know that's NBA talk, but um, if I was king, and since I asked the question, um, I would let them go straight to the NBA right away. However, if you sign a scholarship, 
then you're contractually required to stay for three years. Now that goes goes against my own, you know, I want them to be able to do what they want, but I it just it, I'd love it if college basketball if you got to know these kids and you know see them grow and all that, but then that also you you know if they just transferred out that kind of just defeats the purpose. But I don't know. None of us are kings, so it doesn't matter. But it's kind of fun to talk about. I think I'd make a better dictator <laughs> than us, or just you. Than uh, a king. Ah, uh, okay. I don't yeah, know about you guys, but I make one. I, I make one hell of a good knight. But um. <laughs> but um, yeah, you beat me Ba-doom. to do it. Ba-doom. <laughs> Oh, What's the difference man. between a king and a dictator? Uh, I mean, one's a monarch and one's a dictator. I yeah, thought I said that with a politics degree. So. One, one is absolute rule. The other one can, you know, throughout generations. Divine rule. One is divine. Yeah. Rule. Oh, divine. Yes. Yeah, God makes kings. Idiots make dictators. The actual power isn't different. It's how you get there is the difference. Yep. Kings, kings wear better uh, uniforms too. They just happen to be born in the correct family. Not correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else from you guys or? Well, Duke and SF Austin are tied at seventy-nine all with forty-two seconds left. So should we just keep can going until this game's over? That's it. Can we wait forty-two seconds? Um, it's college basketball. It'll be like you know three minutes, unfortunately. Hey, you know what? How do you guys feel about changing it to intentional fouls if you foul without actually getting any of the ball whatsoever in the foul in the closing two minutes? You mean, going, against? You mean going for the ball or actually getting a piece of the ball? Like actually making you at least try to make it look like a clean foul rather than just say, I'm going to foul you by grabbing you around the waist to foul you when you got the inbounds ball and you're getting it sent to the free throw line like it's a regular foul instead of an intentional, even though I never actually got the ball. That makes sense. Okay. I mean, okay. Right? So, like, isn't that one of the biggest things that everybody hates about college yeah, basketball? The last two minutes takes like 20. Because yeah, of all no, it's fouling. annoying as hell. Yeah. Uh, did, did the person you're fouling actually have the ball, or are you talking about fouling away from the ball? The person who, ha- who has the ball uh, is who okay. you're fouling. So, like, they're trying to inbound. You're trying to play you defense to get the, the ball, ball in. Yeah. You just, you just grab them around the waist. Like, you don't even go uh, for the ball. Yeah. That's like a You have it's... to make contact with the ball as well as them in order for it to to be called a, a regular foul instead of intentional. I don't know. For me, it's just kind of semantics, but I, I, I get what you mean. I get your point. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's, this is why you watch basketball and DVR, you know? You can fast forward through all this crap. So, <laughs> yeah, if this was DVR and we did this two hours after, we could actually, you know, be done by now. That's true. <laughs> to, to, to our list, to our listening public, we are seriously wasting your time right now just so we could see who wins between Stephen F. Austin and Duke. This and du- get, if, Duke has taken over this podcast. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> Someone said I hate you guys. I don't. I, hate I definitely hate Duke. So, hey, you know what? I have etched in my memory forevermore. Kenny you Goyne sinking a three-pointer over, uh, uh, oh god, 
<laughs> Help me out, guys. Uh, the Duke star freshman from last season that everybody drooled over. Oh, this is um, just terrible. It, it's a he's pandemic. At New Orleans. He's at New Orleans right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Z- Xavier something. <laughs> we're, 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 we're basketball people, right? We can't remember names. <laughs> this uh, is your basketball writing staff. We, we haven't even had Thanksgiving dinner yet. And we're already acting like we had. Uh, uh, I think Duke's going to win. They're up 81-79 with 28 seconds left. Oh, 19 man. seconds left. You know what? You know what I would oh, like no, to do right tied, now? Tied. 81, 81, 19 81, 81. You know what I'd like to do right now? I'd like to do a shout out to one of the greatest people on Coronation who is very patient, is very loving, very kind, Jill. And is understanding. Zion Williamson. No, I'm kidding. There That's the name. No, Jill. please go ahead, Patrick. Come on, Jill, right? She's a little bit more of a hammer than what I just recommend, what I just said. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about the benevolent Greg Makachko. The Grand Poobah of Coronation Podcasting, because he is silently sitting there waiting for us. It's after 10 (laughs) o'clock as we're recording this at night, two nights before Thanksgiving, doing this podcast so we can edit it and get it put out first thing Wednesday morning. (laughs) And I think we should work tomorrow and you know he he is patient. He knows that we need to get to the end of this this basketball game because this is a basketball podcast, and this is the best podcast on Coronation Radio Network. This is the best. We're not a tripod. Whoever come up with the phrase tripod, we are a three quad pod. man quad pod. We are a three man weave. We one of the, are oh, that's right. oh, that's right. Yeah, one of the best drills to run. We, we are efficient. We are a drill. We 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 are the greatest thing ever. Tripods are terrible. You know why? Because you kick a leg on a tripod and the entire thing comes down. You know what you can do to a three man weave? Nothing. Nothing stops three man weave. You know what it's a awesome. tripod has in common with this game, by the way? What is what? It's going to overtime. So a third yep, period, just like a third leg. <laughs> it is tied All at right, eighty one eighty one at the end of regulation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I am going to sign off here in about – we don't want to close out. People don't know Greg is messaging us saying, guys, I have to work tomorrow. And I do too. I have practice tomorrow morning. So I do too, and I'm on Eastern time, which yeah, is the point. true God's time zone, everyone, not not Greg, Central, Greg, as you guys Greg all just, tell me in Slack. Greg, Greg just threatened to brain me, and he lives <laughs> two states away. So we're going to call this um, – yeah, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we apologize. We, all right. Yeah, I'm out. Bye. We wish you a not a Merry Christmas, a Happy Thanksgiving. Scrooge, don't put out any of your Christmas decorations, everybody. Have a good Thanksgiving. Watch Thank the you, Lions Greg. lose. Watch the Cowboys hopefully lose. I don't know who the third game is. I don't care. Um, okay, okay we're done. Beat we're that done. team we're apathetic about. We're we're, we're done. Bye.